Welcome to Find Your Niche, a career podcast offering advice that you can implement today, as well as career tips that will set you on a career path and help you to find your niche. I'm Lori Cole, certified career coach and job search advisor with iHire. iHire connects you to industry-specific jobs in over 57 talent communities. Find your niche today on iHire. It's hard to know where your career will take you, but many careers follow a clear path. In fact, Gary Bernison is the CEO of the consulting firm Corn Ferry, and he believes there are six notable stages of any career. I'll walk you through each stage so you can see where you are, and the goal of this exercise is to help you understand your personal career growth and where you're headed. Here are the latest trends, topics, and tips that will help you in your job search. Stage one, the follower. This usually happens after your first job or internship out of college. Followers are action-oriented and task-oriented, and they do what their managers ask. Without learning how to follow, you'll never be able to lead. It's possible that you're not fully aware of your skills and your abilities and what you can offer an employer at this stage of your career. A good manager will recognize your strengths and help you to develop them. This first step is crucial because it's a stepping stone to your future and it helps you to make friends and build your network. Stage two, the collaborator. You're strengthening the skills you learned at your first job, but you're still operating from your core skills. And at this stage is when you're going to begin to develop soft skills like communication, teamwork, and people skills. Instead of being told what to do by one person, you're collaborating with a whole bunch of people. At this stage, it's all about teamwork, learning how to cooperate, problem solve, and help your team achieve their goals. Stage three, the instructor. You're tapping your people skills when you give instructions to your team. It's all about whether you're effective at instructing people about what needs to be done instead of being the one to do it. This reminds me of the saying, watch one, do one, teach one. Do you know where that saying came from? John Hopkins University's surgical residency program. In the late 19th century, there was a model where the surgeons would watch one, do one, teach one. Yikes. I'm glad I wasn't a patient there. Sorry, squirrel. Back on track here. Stage four, the manager. This step speaks for itself. As you manage bigger teams with bigger goals, your skills get bigger and better. In this stage, you have to motivate your team's members by providing them with goals and objectives, as well as the means to achieve them. This is also called the commitment stage because by this stage, you've probably decided what type of work you want to do and can start cultivating it. Stage five, the influencer. You probably know this term because you've heard people talk about social media influencers, but it's not that kind of influencer. You may not be a big deal on social media, but you can be a big deal within your company by using your talents and experience to influence others in the organization. You're still teaching because people in the organization listen to you and learn from you. Stage six, the leader. 
the final stage of what you've worked so long for. Leaders oversee large groups of people and inspire them to think differently, move forward, and perform their best. This doesn't necessarily mean you are the CEO of a large corporation. In fact, according to Bernison, your biggest priority is to motivate people so that they can do and become more than even they thought possible. The six stages are not concrete. Often we find we're moving laterally or working multiple jobs within one stage. There's no perfect way to climb the corporate ladder, but being aware of your own personal growth and the advantages of these steps is a sure way to better understand where you're headed. Phil Dahlheimer runs iHire's Software Development Internship Program. Phil realized that there was a skills gap between entry-level candidates and what employers are looking for these days. Phil believed entry-level candidates could be nurtured into top-performing rock stars if they'd only had a chance and an income. So he worked with iHire to develop the internship program. Phil wants to see this internship program become a blueprint for similar programs in smaller cities to help build tech communities and find opportunities for people. Let's listen to how Phil's experience in software development and passion for teaching led him to this opportunity. Let's hear from today's featured guests who has found their niche. Let's go into a little bit of how your current job and how that whole thing started. Yeah, so so my current job as as internship program manager started as like just just kind of a riff uh, with my boss. You know, we were he had been talking with with Steve, the uh, the president I hire, and it's like, man, that'd be kind of cool if we you know could could develop some local talent. Um, you know, we've got kind of some resources here to be able to build people up, and we were looking at you know how difficult it's been to hire entry level and things like that. So you know, like what about some homegrown talent? What about you know building that up and he was kind of, uh, my boss, Aaron was kind of um, bouncing ideas off me and just like, wouldn't that be pretty cool? And I was like, dude, that'd be amazing. You know, we could, we could start at iHire, we could make it bigger, we could, you know, move it to other companies, we could uh, share some resources, we could, you know, we could really make a movement. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, that, that kind of enthusiasm just really, really grabbed him. And he's like, well, what do you think about doing that? <laughs> and, you know, so of course I start crying. And uh, I'm like, that sounds great, you know, because it did. It, it sounded, you know, perfect and amazing. And I'm an emotional basket case. So in, in that moment, I was just like this. I don't know how I could get a more perfect opportunity. And so that was, I think it was around July-ish last year. And I think like three weeks after that conversation, he's like, yo, are you in? Because we're going to do it. You know, we're going we're gonna to do this thing. And, and so then we started developing a a framework for a curriculum and, and started, you know, looking for people and, and making some phone calls and, and setting up space in the office and, and just doing it. We're just like, Hey, let's do it. What do you think about doing it? Yeah, let's do it. And then we did it. What was the response when you put the advertisement out there? I know that we did some advertising and promoted the internship program and asked for applicants. How many applicants did you get? <laughs> we got a lot. I bet. We got 160 applicants for the, for the program. And, you know, the, there were some that, you know, were 
were foreign applicants and we weren't sponsoring visa. And there were some that, you know, were West Coast applicants and, you know, we weren't looking to to have a remote position. We wanted people in the office in a learning environment. Um, and so, you know, of the ones that that fit the criteria of, you know, interns we thought would most benefit, you know, we had, I think, about 30 and you know, every conversation that uh, Chris Ann, our, our HR specialist, she said every single person she talked to um, was just effusive with praise about the tone of the posting and and how it very much spoke to the fact that we want interns that know a little bit of code and aren't ready for a career. You know, we want to train people to have a career. And that's that is our goal, you know, and selfishly. We want to train people that would be great at eye hire, but if all they get out of, you know, the experience is six months professional development, and then they're ready to, to work in a real career like that, that'll be amazing anyway. What does a typical day look like when you're working with these interns? I know that there's, it's a four day week with them. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we uh, we're in the office Monday to Thursday, nine thirty to to four thirty. Typically, you know, we'll we'll come in, we'll do uh, a little stand up. What did you work on yesterday? What are you working on today? And then we'll dive on in. You know, it's uh, it, they have a a personal portfolio project, which is something that you know we ask them to work on, so that you know when it's time to look for a job, they have a showcase piece. They have something that they can point to and say, you know, this is a project I did start to finish and it's very polished. And so, you know, that's a goal of ours to make them more presentable. Um, We will in the afternoon, depending on the day of the week, we'll do um, uh, investigating a ticket together. We'll have a learning session. Like I'll do a deep dive into a tool, like maybe a, development environment that we'll use or, you know, into crafting SQL queries or, or any kind of thing. And then once a week, we have uh, an interview challenge, a coding challenge where, you know, I will present them a question that they may get in an interview and get five or 10 minutes, go at solving it. And then, you know, we'll go around, share our screens and, and talk about our approaches to different solutions and, you know, do kind of a team team evaluation of, of different solutions and, and what we maybe could have considered there. But that's, that's the most, uh, most of the, the days. So you've also talked about the skills gap between how people are coming out of school and what employers are really expecting for someone just entry level starting out. I tell you, that's, that's a heartbreaking scene. Um, and it's, it's bizarre because, you know, a lot of times who's hiring developers is people that were looking for a developer job. And so it, it starts there with, with expectations of hiring managers who have development experience. And, and they, they know, they understand that when you're coming out of college, you don't have the skills. You know, they expect you to be able to, you know, navigate a database, navigate a, a huge solution, um, you know, go through source control, have all these skills that they want from a developer to hit the ground running and they want to pay entry level salaries. And, and so it's, it's unreasonable. We, we recently at, at iHire, we recently hired two devs and, you know, they were entry level devs. So we had entry level expectations and they said uh, between them, they had 280 uh, applications. Just, just in the 
I would say the the greater DC Baltimore area, you know, 280 applications, maybe between them, um, 10 interviews and no second interviews because, you know, they were recently educated and they didn't have the, the, the skills of a seasoned veteran, even though they were looking for the salary of, you know, someone who's just starting out. So it's a demoralizing experience and it's, it's unrealistic, you know, and, and so many people complain about it. You know, if you look on forums online, how do I get this job interviewing things? You know, people are talking about it all the time, but, but companies are still, you know, looking for experienced entry-level developers. And so the skills gap is, is how we describe that, that gap between the skills that, that people entering the field have and the expectations of an entry-level developer. So, that is, yeah, I mentioned the Steve earlier, that is a huge passion project of his. Um, and, and it comes from the top down, you know, we talk about, you know, training people up and it's important to train people up. And, you know, what we've learned at iHire is, is that the skills gap is not very much worth considering in, in hiring as much as, you know, is this a person whose values mesh with our values? You know, that's the real I think the high impact thing, because you can teach anyone anything. And if they're a, a person with high moral values, good moral compass, and, and they're willing to learn and engage and share knowledge and be a contributing member of the team, like that's, that's the important skill set. And, and I think people really lose sight of that. So yeah, we're just looking to bridge the gap so that when they look for an entry level job after the internship, they have what it takes to get an entry-level job because you need experience to get an entry-level job. So what inspires you about your job? Uh, everything I just said. Um, just the opportunity to, to impact Frederick. I love Frederick. Um, it's, it's the best city in the world. And I don't say that with any uh, sarcasm whatsoever. I, just, I think Frederick is amazing. And to be able to build it up to be able to, to go outside of, of iHire and build up Frederick and build up the talent and make it a, a place where, so, you know, right now there's a lot of people that, that, that live in Frederick and work in DC, you know, but, but to have Frederick become a place where people are like, I want to leave DC and go to, go to work in Frederick. Like that would be just insane to me. That would be amazing. And so, you know, a passion for, for my city, but then also just, to be able to teach, to be able to give people an opportunity to get better, to retire. You know, there's, I think, I think retirement is, is an ideal for people and, and more people should be working toward it and, and to give people the tools to succeed and, you know, to be a resource for them to, you know, check back with a year, a year later and be like, Hey, you know, I know you're really passionate about career mentorship. Do you think you could talk me through this issue? You know, that sort of thing. Like, you know, I want to stay in touch with, with all these people and, and guide them. I got, a, I got a pretty good head start on, on most of my interns. So, you know, there's a real good chance that I've seen some things that, that they don't have to, it doesn't have to hurt, right? They don't have to beat themselves up through an issue if, if they can lean on experience. And, and so just keeping people from, some of the the growing pains and mistakes that I had to go through is, uh, you know, cause you can't change the past. You can't go back, but you know, if you can, if you can get someone through that hurdle um, a little less painfully than, than I experienced, I think that's just a, 
a, a blessing of sorts for sure. So that segues nicely into my next question. What advice do you have for someone just starting in the industry? With or without the skills gap? (laughs) (laughs) No, um, my my advice would be find your niche. That's pithy, right? Um, But but my, my advice is if you try something and you find that you're getting really, really beat down by the, the work you're asked to do, like maybe you're working for a defense contractor and you don't particularly like the mission, you know, it doesn't mean you don't like programming. Maybe try working for a nonprofit and, and because programming or, or software is, is just a tool. It's a tool for solutions. Find solutions that you want to solve. Find things that you're passionate about. I hire as a place of employment. A place of employment, you know, implies that that people are are getting food on the table, getting jobs, finding the right fit at their company. And so, you know, that's a passion project of mine is, is having people be happy at work and being happy at work. So, you know, find the solutions that you want to solve. If you don't care about the environment, don't get a software job at the EPA. You know, if if you do care about the environment, don't get a software job at Exxon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> find something whose overall mission matches your self-worth and, and your values. And I think that, that everything else falls into place because then the software problems are motivated by, you know, your, your actual logic issues where you're, you're coding and you're confused and you're having trouble with something, then you're motivated. You're motivated by your, your parent passion. Um, and it's not a slog anymore. It's, it's a passion project. And a lot of people are passionate about coding. And, and, you know, to be honest, I am not passionate about coding. I am very much passionate about people, which is weird to say as a computer programmer. And you seem to have really found your niche with this internship program. I'm so happy for you. It, it's, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today. We appreciate our featured guest for joining the Find Your Niche podcast. Now, more career advice and stories from your host, Lori Cole. Speaking of entry-level jobs, here are some hot entry-level tech jobs that you can check out on iHire Technology. Cognizant has openings for entry-level software engineers in Atlanta, Dallas, Phoenix, and Tampa. You'll be analyzing, designing, programming, and testing software programs, and you'll need a bachelor's degree, Java application development skills, and C++. USAA in Plano, Texas is looking for a 100% remote work entry-level software engineer. You'll need a bachelor's degree or equivalent experience to meet the minimum requirements. You'll also need basic understanding of Java, Swift, Objective-C, COBOL, JavaScript, and C++. The salary range for this job is between 60 and 108,000. See these jobs and many more on iHireTechnology.com or search one of iHire's other 57 sites to find the job that's just right for you. Is there something you need some guidance on in terms of your career? Email to laurie.cole at iHire.com. Thanks for listening.